You're listening to the Ear B&B Podcast. Let's tune in to hear what Barry and Bill have to share with us today. Yes. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Ear B&B Disney Podcast. I am Bill and uh, with us as always is Barry. How are you, sir? Hello. How you doing tonight? And uh, with us as well are uh, two guests who are authors of uh, several books, including uh, Together in the Dream, Remembering the Magic, Imagination in Dreams Are Forever, and The Design of Fear. Uh, They both worked at Disney in the early days of Walt Disney World and met some incredible people along the way, including Marty Sklar, John Hench, Frank Thomas, uh, Lieta Toombs, and Allison Mark Davis. It is our pleasure to welcome to the podcast R.J. and Suzanne Ogren. Yes. Good afternoon. Yes. <laughs> Good afternoon. Nice to be with you. It is very nice to have you. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. Oh, we're happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Well, now that we've got that over with, the podcast's over, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 that is that is that all quick. we're going to do today. Good night, everybody. Good night. Uh, how how are you, how are you guys? We're good. We're doing great. Yeah. We've both had our vaccinations, so we're actually semi-social. We're waiting for all our other friends to get vaccinated. <laughs> I, I am vaccinated as well. I actually went to uh, uh, the Cincinnati Reds game a little earlier today. We lost. Oh, wow. Uh, lost. But, uh, oh, wow. It's it's fantastic to get back out and do stuff like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's nice. It is. It's very nice. Yeah. So. I envy you because as a kid, my dad used to take me to all the Cardinals games because we were St. Louis people then. Uh And I've never, I've been to one Cubs game since we moved to Chicago, but uh, I, I have trouble watching baseball now. (laughs) It's gotten too money oriented. Yeah. And I'm actually from the Chicago area in Aurora, Illinois. Actually where we live right now, we can look across the Fox river and see the hospital where he was born is still li- it's still up. Yeah, oh, nice. it's, it's not a hospital anymore. I think no, I, it's a home for yes. senior citizens. I, I caused it to close. <laughs> <laughs> so is that is that Cubs territory or is that White Sox territory? It's I don't know. Uh, yes, okay. you have to live on the south side of Chicago to be a Sox fan. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm all the way in New Jersey, so I don't know anything about oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sox fans are not allowed to leave their area. Well, actually, in our house, the only screaming and yelling you'll hear about sports is to the University of Miami because my husband is an alum. And we love football. So that's that's yes. our thing. And someday the Bears will come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you just got uh, Andy Dalton as your quarterback, who was in Cincinnati a lot of years. So good luck there. Uh, we're hoping anything would be better. <laughs> Don't be so sure. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So clearly you both have a strong interest in Disney. How did that start for the both of you? Well, you like for each of you. Uh, God, it goes all the way back to our childhoods. Uh, uh, we grew up watching the Mickey Mouse Club and the Disney would, show. When you saw a Disney movie, uh, or or when it was released, re-released every seven years, you could see it, um, type of thing. And so it was, it was certainly a different time, but we just devoured anything Disney and with Walt. And when we had the uh, uh, wonderful world of, of, of Disney, of Disney, and Walt was, of course, doing those shows. Um, 
it was it was magic, and it all it could only imagine being able to work uh, for Walt in any capacity. And of course, when the Disneyland opened, gosh, uh, we were what 10, 11 years old when that opened. Yeah, um, ten, and it was ten well, not years. Here. Um, Don't answer that. It was robocall. I'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> it probably is a robocall. No, but we went to Disneyland for the first time in our first year of marriage in 1965. We spent Christmas at Disneyland, and which was kind of great because it was the last time Walt was there. He was always at the park on Christmas Day. He loved getting out and greeting the people and talking to them and we actually got to see him. We didn't get to personally meet him. We were relatively close to him. We couldn't get past the crowd. (laughs) And it turned out that was his last Christmas on this earth. So, but um, like he said, both of us did it as youngsters. I started out, I was in dancing classes by the time I was eight years old and watching the Mickey Mouse club as a semi teenager, I wanted to be a Mouseketeer. And I had all the Disney records, the Disney books. In fact, we passed a lot of the Disney Golden Books down to our kids and then to their kids who are all grown now. And uh, there's just been a Disney presence in our lives Uh, constantly. I wanted to be an artist for Disney growing up. And um, it just... Just the way things turned out, I went into the service right out of high school, and uh, and that was in '62. And then the the Vietnam War started, and actually I was between tours in Vietnam when we got engaged. Um, no, I was going yeah, over to my you, first tour. Yeah, yeah, it was my first time over. We got engaged. He was between, it was between tours. tours when we got married. Yeah. So yeah, that was some crazy times, um, but then we. When I got out of the service, I started going to University of Miami, and and she helped me get through along with the VA. And um, I was actually studying architecture and working for architects while I was in college. And uh, then I had a thing called uh, calculus, and that was the end of my uh, being an architect. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I... Uh, uh, switched over to art education. I actually have a degree in, in that. And uh, I only taught in public school for a year. And uh, in 73, uh, we kind of looked at each other and says, how oh, the heck with this? Let's go to Orlando and try to go to work for Disney because that's what we really wanted to do. And, and that's uh, where we raised our kids. And both yeah. of our kids worked at Disney World. Um, it, and it took us a couple of years finally to get in that door. Mm-hmm. And get our first jobs at Disney. Yeah, and you uh you talk about that in uh Together in the Dream. Mm-hmm. Uh the for the first several chapters kind of uh, go through that um very you know, bizarre way <laughs> we ended up I, it's really <laughs> impressive though. I mean, you know, and, and uh you know, it just go it goes to show that anything does make a difference. You know, you you working on the chairs and I don't want to go too mm-hmm. far down that road, but uh, you know, we want yeah, people to go just, read the yeah. book. Um, when, we, when we got to Orlando, we what we it was a recession starting, and we back then we didn't know anything about recessions. We were young, 
And, well, and we had a and, brand brand new son. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I'd gone to work for an architectural firm in Orlando when we first got there. And I was making twice as much as the teachers. So I went, well, this is fine. And then within six months, the firm went under and everything else hit bottom. And then I had to start repairing vinyl chairs in the hotels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's and I was home of, taking care of small children. That's part of yeah. how I ended up working at Disney because of uh-huh. the instrumental in, in in the in the role, uh, right? In in, yeah. in yeah. moving moving from the monorail over to uh, the artist side of things. Yeah, I, yeah. Was, I always used to think of of Walt's thing. It's in one of his videos. I think it's in a Disney story where he says, "A good failure is always good for you because it puts you on another path." You mm-hmm. know. And uh, yeah, I got I I got on monorails, um, uh, and I was only there three months. Uh, six weeks into it, an ad came in the company paper, Eyes and Ears, that they were looking for a fourth artist, and as it turned out, to replace Leota Toombs, who was there training the other three artists, and uh, she was going to go back to the studios. And I realized they needed a fourth person, and uh, I just happened to get on at Disney at just the right moment in time. And then because my husband has never been accused of being shy, he told his supervisor who said, I wish we could get somebody as good as you. And he said, well, then you need to hire my wife. And, take my and so they did. Because he and I had just talked about the fact that I, my kids were older by that time. Not old, but my son was older. Two. Sure. We're old enough. As yes. Kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. We never know how old we are, but, uh, so that was my entrance, which was not my idea of going to work for Disney. I wanted to be in entertainment, and it took me a year and a half to get there. You know, uh-huh. it opened up paths for us that we've always told people: once you work for Disney, everybody wants to talk about what did you do at Disney. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know it that follows was... you everywhere. Back then, back in the seventies and into the early eighties. If you were working for Disney, you could recommend somebody for a job at Disney to the right people and they'd get hired. And that was that was always the best way to get a job at Disney was mm-hmm. having that. So once I suggested that they hire Suzanne to take my place, which happened, then when she wanted to get into characters, by then I was of course I was management as a manager mm-hmm. artist. Mm-hmm. And I being a manager, I didn't have to take specific top breaks at certain times. I can go anytime. So I got to know Frank Riddy, who was uh, head of characters <laughs> then. Uh, and I knew when he took lunch every day <laughs> and about once a week, I'd go over to sit next to him and he says, not again. <laughs> walking up Susie. And finally, he just, he finally just gave in. He says, all right, all right. We'll audition her. We uh, just saw Frank, uh, what, five years ago when we had a reunion yeah. of all of our character yeah. people. And he still remembered that. <laughs> oh, God, yes. I'd see him coming across the cafeteria and go, oh, God, here he comes again. He says, I was trying to eat my food faster so I could get up and leave before he got to the table. <laughs> RJ, going back, going back a little bit, because I thought it was really interesting. I was reading an article in the Chicago Tribune, um, and they had mentioned that your work with the vinyl chairs is what got you the job yes. at Disney. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, I was up against uh, 13 other 
people that actually were working for Disney in different capacities. They were going to hire somebody with, with, that was already at, at Disney. And if they couldn't find that person, then they'd go outside the company. Um, and I knew a couple of the other artists. Um, in fact, one of them, uh, Glenn, ended up uh, coming in uh, as uh, uh, working with us right about the time I was leaving. But anyway, um, we went through six weeks of interviews, one a week, basically. Mark Davis interviewed us. Um, I, I had Frank Thomas interview me which at the time I couldn't understand why, because he was mostly into, you know, two-dimensional animation. But uh, so I got to meet a lot of famous people uh, just in the interviews. And then when I finally was told I had the job, um, I asked the uh, this director who was handling the whole in process of interviews uh, what I did different because I knew the qualifications of some of these other artists that were really, really strong and everything. And they said, well, you remember those, what you called stupid vinyl chairs that you had to work on to get through the recession? I'm like, yeah. He says, well, it turns out that the figures you're working on, the pirates, bears, ghosts that have skins, the skins are reconfigured hot melt vinyl glue. And you have to use heat to repair the chairs, to pull it together and heat it together and everything else. And you had to use acetone paint to paint the chairs. Well, you had well to be guess able to what? The skins the are the same, you know, vinyl. And the, the paint is, is the same acetone paint. And uh, you're the only one that did anything remotely like that. He says, so actually, the stupid vinyl chairs got you the job as Walt Disney World artist. That's <laughs> how so I became an artist. <laughs> so. But you had done that because um, we had, like I said, a brand new child that had come into the world and a daughter who was three. And he said, I've got to find something to do in this recession where I can make some good money. And yeah. then he started thinking about it. And he said, well, all the hotels and restaurants and everything in Orlando, except for the ones on Disney property, are all in receivership. So I know that they're not going to be buying new chairs and, and uh, you know, booths and everything else. He said, and I saw this thing on TV where you can get this kit to repair vinyl. So he sent for the kit worked on it, started making cold calls to all these people in all these places, the restaurants. And, <laughs> and he had, he was constantly busy, weren't yeah. you? And he, he'd tell me he'd come home at night exhausted from lifting hundreds of chairs. Sure. Off Convention thing, chairs. You know, Convention yeah. chairs and stuff and working on booths and restaurants. Yeah, people and, say, you're really buff. You lift weights. I went, no, I lift chairs. <laughs> <laughs> but he would say to me every night, I hate this, but at least it's putting food on the table yeah. and keeping a roof over yeah. our head. So, uh, you know. And it really set up the rest of your life. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah, it did. It changed everything. Yeah. Our yeah. lives changed. And then we moved to Chicago in 2004. Yeah. And in 2007, he had been doing a lot of murals in people's houses. He put ads in different things like Chicago Parent Magazine I and all this. Constantly. He was constantly busy. And then starting in late 2007, well, people that had... It was 2008. Well, no, it was late 2007. Well, anyway, but I, anyway, I, he started getting people <laughs> calling saying, 
we're going to hold off on this mural that we were going to do, you know. And pretty soon he had no work. And, he was falling uh, off a cliff, actually, just gone. He ended up substitute teaching in high schools. and Yeah, that's where my, I went, well, I'm glad I have a teaching degree. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to teach full time, but substitute teaching. And the funny thing was, I became extremely popular at, at uh, two high schools. Uh, he was because, called the Disney guy by yeah, all the, the students, students. that come down. Mr. Ogren, are you going to be teaching math today? Or you? I went, God, no, I hope not math. Uh, but <laughs> science, history, anything else, you know, I was I was fine. at even art. And uh, and uh, and then I'd say, no, I'm not in that class. today. Oh, darn, because I could draw the Disney characters on the chalkboard and I and I actually could draw two Mickeys at the same time. Oh, wow. And yes, he's uh, and also I could draw Mickey Mouse uh, blindfolded, so they were <laughs> always. And the kids would come into class and say, "Draw some some characters." And I said, "I'll do one." Then you have to do your work. When your work is done, then I'll draw the, the teachers. Love it. He says, "We don't know what you're doing, but the kids are always getting the work mm-hmm. done." <laughs> we'd be yes, walking. Sir. We'd be walking in a store somewhere where we lived, and they'd hear, "Hey, it's the Disney guy." <laughs> it would be high school students, you know. I said, "Okay, this is getting silly." <laughs> now, what does uh, what does Mickey look like blindfolded? <laughs> Actually, <Sorry>. kind of flat. <laughs> <laughs> does a pretty good job, though. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Sometimes I hit it almost right on. Other times, of course, the mouth would be about three inches away from his face. Uh, the nose would be on his ear. <laughs> It's 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 actually a memory thing. I've drawn him so many times. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah, just yeah. as the, <laughs> yeah. the the arm. Yeah, I and doing remember. it on doing it on a on a on a big board or even on a dry erase board uh, is easier to do that. In other words, if I did it blindfolded on a sheet of paper, I have to really stop and think about you know because then I'm just using my hand and my wrist, but on the board I could just use my whole arm. It was, it was fun. Yeah. So you uh, uh, once you uh, uh, finished your career at Disney, you guys wrote the books that we uh, talked about at the top of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. What kind of led to you going down that road and in, in documenting uh, all of all well, of your stories? We had had people tell us when we were still in Orlando, "You need to write books about all the stuff that you did." And at that time, um, Disney was a lot more strict about who wrote what and they had to prove everything and all of that and I said no 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 and we had an entertainment lawyer at that time because we were writing screenplays and doing all kinds of things and um, he said oh god please don't do that I will be in court for years okay because it was a lot of backstage <laughs> yeah stuff. it was a lot of yeah. backstage thing they didn't want people knowing anything about and you know just all the stuff that everyone wanted answers to. And so it was years and we just keep saying, no, no, we're not going to write any books. And then the whole attitude with the technology we have now, where everybody tells everybody everything. Well, um, well and Disney and, started giving tours of backstage. Oh yeah. That you know, was and when, that just opened the door. That was when Michael so, Eisner was in charge of the company and yeah. he opened up so many things. And suddenly there were people writing books and a lot of them with a lot of mistakes and things. And 
he would get annoyed and say, we really should write books so we can get this right, you know. And uh, then through another friend who is also an author, we learned about Theme Park Press, run by Bob McLean, who is an absolute genius. He started out just getting a few ex-Disney people to write some books, and we contacted him, and he said, well, let me see a sample of your writing of what you would do and how you would do it. And next thing we knew, we'd done the first yeah. book, and then he was the one that came back and said, how about doing a second book? And he and I talked about it, and he said, do we have enough to write another book? And, and yes, we did. So uh -huh. the more we had we enough started, for even another one after that. Yeah. The more we started taking notes and everything, you know, we went, we do have another book. Then the third one, which was also took a longer time with that one because we decided what we wanted to do with that one was not just tell our stories, but we wanted – we have so many young people that will say either I didn't know Walt was a real person or tell us something about him. I never knew anything about him. I've never seen him. You know, why is it called Walt Disney World? We get so many questions that I said we need because that was Walt's final dream was building that park in Florida. And he never mm -hmm. got to see it come to fruition, but he been there he'd done all the groundwork on it and the drawings and all that stuff and i said i want to tell all these young people especially what walt was like and his genius and his well you want we also in discussing it a lot which is why uh it took longer for the third book was what suzanne would write because you know, uh, any of anybody out there that's read our books knows that we wrote alternating chapters, mm -hmm. chapters basically. And of course, mine had uh, so much more humor because we pulled a lot of practical jokes. And, yeah, so and I used to ask him when he'd we, come home at night and tell me a story. So you guys ever work? We'd get caught on stage, <laughs> uh, you know, during the show, and we were trying to fix something, and it's just a lot of funny things. But. Uh, she says, I don't have any more stories about characters to write or what, what should I write? And we, and we said, well, um, it, it came down to her writing her chapters as a, actually taking you through the different areas of the park and what was there. And then because we she, also get a lot of people that ask us about that, you well, know, what we, did it look like when you were yeah, there? And, and we didn't want to be negative. We didn't want to say, "Well, they took this out, they took that out." I mean, and we <laughs> we actually were, were upset. A lot of things were removed that should have stayed, but we didn't want to write it that way. So the best idea that that we came up with, and you did it beautifully, was just telling them what it was like and what was there, and then I would write the next chapter. Uh, would be about something like, say, it was on Main Street. She wrote about Main Street, and then I wrote about the the, the woman in the box office that I kept messing up <laughs> <laughs> while you were painting. Right? Yeah. So, yes, so uh, so that's how we took that third book. Well, and also I had dozens of quotes by Walt that were, I thought, perfect to use at the yeah. beginning of each chapter. Yeah to kind of set the mood as to what you were going to read about. And we were very, very happy with it. But like he said, it took a long, it took us almost three years to write yeah. that. So. And, it, and it was interesting too, because we, we were very lucky to get our first book 
together in a dream. And people, we would tell people, please read them in order because you read the first book, you get the whole story of how we actually ended up there and what led to everything else. But the fact that, uh, that, uh, um, Alice Davis was the one who wrote the foreword for our first book. Uh, you know, who is a Disney legend. And, yes, and, is. and, and of course we worked with Mark all the time. He was always coming out to do stuff with us. And, uh, and then, uh, the second book was Bev Bergeron, who people who go home passed and Bev, away. Oh, Diamond Horseshoe Review. He was the guy who co-wrote the show and was the comedic actor in it and the magician. And, uh, uh, so he did that for all those years. He and I wrote uh, or put together a magic book while we were both still working at Disney. And then our third book is actually the forward is by Mike Ruzioni, yeah. who was captain of the Olympic hockey team, gold medalist. Mm-hmm. Do you and, believe in miracles? And there, yes. And there is a tie-in because yes. of, of him Things doing he that, did how with that, Disney how that all stuff. came about. Yeah. And, um, uh, and Mike himself just wrote his memoir which is fascinating to read. And yes. we were so excited that he did that. A very good We book. promote it all the time. <laughs> and in the third book, I I, I said, I want to have a chapter in here about Bob Ross because we were good friends with Bob Ross. He actually came to learn acting from us so it would help him on his show wow. and for the things he was planning. And that's how we met. And then he and I would get together and try painting. And for those who don't know, Bob Ross is the happy artist on PBS. Yes. They still still show all the reruns of his show. And his company is actually making more money now. And Bob has been gone from this earth, what, 25 years? And they're still selling my cartoon videos, which are very basic. (laughs) He gets a very tiny royalty check at the end of every year. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I made $5. Uh, Well, congratulations on that. Yes. But Luckily, our book royalty checks are a little bigger than that. But but, uh, but we, I called up Joan Kowalski at, uh, at Bob Ross Inc. and uh, she said, "Oh, of course, RJ. We, you can. Well, here's the picture you can use. Here's, you know, and just make sure you say this about Bob Ross." And I said, "Okay, great, thank you." And uh, so the chapter is called "What About Bob." Because he's always this, getting people asking him. A, a little you bit knew of a Bob joke. Ross. What was yeah, it like? A joke on the movie of what about Bob? Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, that was, yeah, people keep saying that. What about Bob? Oh, well. Yeah. Where is the <laughs> Disney tie-in? Because one thing yeah. led to another. And mm-hmm. it was, well, well I, I have a funny read the book. <laughs> I have a funny side story about that. Our grandson, our middle grandson, Christopher, got married last year to a wonderful girl named Samantha, who goes by Sam. And she was an art major at uh, Carroll University in Wisconsin. And she wanted us to come up and see what she was doing in the art department. And she was very impressed with RJ having been a Disney artist artist and everything. And somehow or other, she showed us a project she was doing for class that had happy trees on it and Bob Ross at the bottom. And we said, what is this? And they said, she said, oh, well, they wanted us to do something in an art way about somebody that influenced us. And she said, I just love Bob Ross. And her then fiance, Christopher, says, "You, you do know that he knew Bob Ross. They were friends with Bob Ross. Her jaw dropped. And Chris goes, 
I think you've just impressed her yeah. more than the fact that you were a Disney artist. Just forget, <laughs> forget Disney. It's just Bob Ross. Uh, <laughs> my niece is a huge Bob Ross fan. Um, every year for Christmas, I get her a little something Bob Ross related. She just oh, turned 18. Cool. So, yeah, uh, it, his, uh, it, it's amazing how all of that has just kind of continued on. Oh, yeah. In I, fact, uh, our our Gren's daughter-in-law just had a birthday, and he found a Bob Ross cookbook, and that's what we gave her for her birthday. <laughs> now, now you you mentioned back there that uh, one of the things that uh, uh, you did throughout the books was keep it positive as far as with change and all that, and that is something that was very much noticed. Is that throughout all of that you? painted a picture so to speak of disney in a very positive light which you know for those of us that love disney i i i love that about the the books and that's i i have not gone back to uh, uh put in a review on amazon for them yet but i will i promise you oh, thank you thank you <laughs> and, and and actually it was very easy to be positive because we loved it back then. I yeah. mean, you know, we it worked. was a totally different world back then. It wasn't big. It wasn't yeah. corporate to that extent. It was more like a big family. Oh, easily. You know? and 7,000 employees. Now there's 90,000. 90,000. <laughs> oh, my God. You know. <laughs> you don't know we, we also had read lots of books about Disney or Disney World or whatever, the Disney family, that were negative. And I said, I don't want to do that. You know, people want to read negativity, they can read somebody else's book. I want them to get the whole flavor of what that was like. And that's why with the third book that we wrote with the theme about Walt, we started it with him and his idea to build it. And how his brother was kind of against it. What are you doing? And uh, well, and the, and the if you're hearing clicking sounds, that is our that is our 14 year old Labrador walking across the wood floor. <laughs> <laughs> and she's looking at us all like, "What are you doing?" But, um, <laughs> but we got to we got at Disney World. We got to work with uh, so many people who built that. At the, in the seventies mm -hmm. and eighties, uh, you know, uh, it was amazing, and they're Disney legends themselves. No, it's not dinner. So yet. go lay down. She's fine. I'm sorry. The dog thinks You're dinner fine. is at four. We really don't have a dog. I'm just pretending. <laughs> <laughs> no, no but this here. being audio only uh, uh, broadcast, I was going to say that uh, uh, Suzanne was talking to RJ about dinner not being it not being dinner yeah, time. Yet. Not dinner time. <laughs> Yeah, that might work too, actually. <laughs> I mean, I don't get to eat yet. No. no. We have a 25 year old grandson, our oldest grandson, Alex, who's living with us right now because he's in a going from one thing to another <laughs> and, the, and the lockdown and the whole thing. But mm, uh, he is a chef and he is actually in the kitchen right now making tortillas for tacos tonight. Yeah, so, Ooh. yeah. yeah. not bad. We'll be <laughs> They're really good. Oh yes, they're wonderful. So, so he you also worked in a in a British tea room where he makes wonderful things like scones and neat little tartlets and things for high teas, and yeah. he brings home the things that aren't the right size or 
he didn't think they tasted all that great or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> we get fantastic. wonderful little treats all the time from yeah. his work. Yeah, nice. Good fool me. They taste really good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. You were going to say there. Uh, no, I was going to say uh, you guys actually have a fourth book called The Design of Fear. Yeah, that one is that's my that's book. my book. Suzanne, Damn. I should mention. Yeah, Suzanne has okay. a novel, a novel oh, okay. called Ribbon Ribbons, and it actually was the first novel that uh, uh, Theme Park Press published. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. And he did that because he said the story. Well, I great. asked him. I said, "Do you know a publisher?" Because I've been trying to push this book, and I have critiques on it that are very positive by other writers and stuff, but I can't seem to find a publishing company that will take it. And he said, well, send it to me. Maybe I'll publish it. And I said, okay. And he did. And he did. And he promotes it on his (laughs) theme park press site as a real life fairy tale. Yeah. (laughs) And I did the, I did a painting uh, that is the cover of her book. Mm -hmm. And the three Disney books are actually, um, uh, photos. That One's I a photo, took. and the other two are photos of paintings. Yeah. Did. yeah. So, what was the name of that book again? Could you give us the title? Again? Ribbons. Ribbons. Yeah. Ribbons. Okay. And that was. That's about the theme park industry in general. Uh, no. No, it's, it's it's a totally different fictional book that has nothing oh, to do okay. with Disney. Yeah. Gotcha. It's an actual okay. book. Yeah. yeah. With more male characters in it than female characters, and I'm always trying to get men to read it because they think it's a chick book no, and i'm like no. no it's not it's a character-based novel read it oh, i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm gonna go download that right now oh, please okay because it is <laughs> on theme park press okay yeah right yeah. um so we were well, very pleased anyway so so design of fear um yes right design of fear came about because i had all these stories um, about all the haunted houses I worked on after working at Disney, yeah. after working on the the, the mansion, and uh, working in blacklight paint on different attractions, including the mansion, and um, so after I left Disney, you know, the, the the haunted house market wasn't quite that big yet. It started growing in the eighties. But by the by the late eighties, all of a sudden it was just well, full 90s. blown. Nineties in the nineties, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, in the nineties, and uh, I ended up. We ended up. Well, she Susie came with me because uh, she would help me out, and we would paint 3D haunted houses and uh, for the Queen Mary in Long Beach. Um, and we did uh, that for five years straight. Yeah, seven and lived months. on the Queen Mary ship at the time. Yeah. It was wonderful. You were talking about his the fourth book, which was his only book alone, and then I did my novel alone. So yeah. we always say we have five books, but not all of them are written together. But then we've been talking about other books, not another Disney book, because we don't feel like we have enough to tell. That hasn't already been told, yeah. you know. But we are always having people that find out about all the famous people we've met or worked with or yeah. known through, or through art, through theater. And I said, how could we do a uh, book about that that wouldn't sound like bragging? Oh, look what we did and who we know and all that stuff. Yeah. But we have come up with some interesting just, stories. Just and, fun stories about how how it happened. It's like the one with Bob Ross. Um. And so, or the know, day or, we spent on the Miami Vice set, you know, or, or how the heck know. did we get to know Mike Ruzioni? Because 
In fact, that was funny when when I because I <laughs> I got I got to tell you this about Mike Ruzioni. Uh, he and, He's a crazy and Donna, Italian. And Donna is, they've been great <laughs> friends over the years, and uh, uh, but I uh, that right after they won the gold medal, nineteen eighty, <laughs> um, was when I left Disney, and so I was out on my own. Um, I was uh, doing all kinds of artwork that I could do to make money and everything, and also I was doing special events, and I. Uh, got into designing floats, and uh, and That's this great. guy was producing the Tangerine Bowl parade, which back in eighty eighty one it was a big parade with big floats because I built the floats. I had a whole bunch of really good artists working. <laughs> oh, excuse me. And uh, uh, thank you. But anyway, we and we wanted a big name. I says I've got to get a big name because to be Grand Marshal. And the guy says, who, do you, who can you get? I says, well, I think I might try to get Mike Ruzioni. And he goes, oh, good luck with that. Because, you know, really, and it was it was only about four months after the Olympics. And the parade wasn't until middle of December. <laughs> oh, um, goodness. But I Excuse knew me. if I got a big name for Grand Marshal that I would get Disney. Because I'd already been talking to Disney. He says, let us know who you get. And if you get somebody like that, we'll come into the parade. The minute I had Disney, then all the theme parks came in the parade and everything. Well, I I called up. I found out who was handling uh, uh, Mike then. He, it was his attorney, actually, at that time. He didn't have an agent yet. And I talked to his attorney and said, look, we can't, can't pay him anything, but if he would like to come down and be the grand marshal of the parade and we'll take him out to Disney and everything and put him up in a suite in a hotel, we can do all that. And, uh, and his attorney says, well, I don't know if you, you know, if he's not getting paid, I don't know if he'll want to do that, but he says, I'll tell him about it. So he took my info. And then, then the next night we're watching TV and the phone rings and I picked it up and I, I says, hello. And he says, Oh, is this Randy? I went, yeah. He says, Oh, hi, this is Mike Ruzioni. <laughs> she looks at me. She says, "Who is it?" And I went, covered my mouth and went, "Mike Rossioni," and covered the phone. I mean, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> and I gave, "Hi, Mike. Nice talking." You know, and so all Mike wanted was, could he come with his cousin, who they grew up together? Yeah, because he wasn't married. And he, yeah, he wasn't married. And uh, and and, that was, and you said, "Sure, you can bring Tony." So. We had a spectacular week with with Mike, and it was funny because after the parade. Uh, and we had a big float for Mike to ride on. And he's sitting up there and he's got his Olympic outfit on and stuff. And he's waving and, and he comes up because he was near the front of the parade. And we were up uh, in Orlando. This is when we had Rosie O'Grady's and everything in downtown Orlando, which is a great place. Not there anymore. Great entertainment. But area. anyway, we were on the balcony overlooking the brick street where the parade came down and uh, uh, turned around and Mike's comes in and we're standing there with headsets on on the balcony and he looks at me and says, don't ever make me do that again. And I says, what? <laughs> I felt like an idiot sitting up there waving my hand at people. He says, no, it's just not me. And we, and, and the next day we were going, to, we were taking him out to Disney, did not have the heart to tell him. I says, don't mention it. We get there. And I says, um, Mike, he goes, what? And I says, got a surprise for her. He goes, what did you do? I says, you're going to be the Grand Marshal of the Disney Parade today. <laughs> and he, they put him in an old model, uh, old 
Model T type car, and you know, big nice thing on the front with his name on it and stuff, and 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 then Disney gave us a black and white picture they took of him and and that. <laughs> but I we were sitting on the street, and Mike, I got this great picture of him, and he's, you can see him look, looking at me. So I'm going to get you for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing my head off. <laughs> but then you got him to come back the next year, and he did uh, he the did. on. On yeah, camera. co-host with the Disney ambassador. Yeah, and uh, and then and then after that, he started doing what were called the Goofy Games. Yeah, at Disney, which went on for about so seven that was years, his so. whole Disney connection, and why we asked him, not knowing if he'd even do it when we did the third book, if he would write the. He said, "Yeah, sure." He says, yeah, "Suzanne, you'll have to oversee it because I'm not a writer." But you know, and then he puts out his own book. How do you like that? Well, he had a he had a ghostwriter, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because the guy that did the ghostwriting knew Mike very well. I could tell because it was Mike's voice yeah. when I was reading the book. I could tell. Uh, and I, I have to tell you this: when we do, when we did our books, and when I did my book of Design of Fear, if it wasn't for Suzanne. I would come across as real idiots because I I can write the stuff, and actually I do. When I write, I just sit down with a pad and just write it. Mm -hmm. I don't worry about punctuation being correct and all that. Or run on well, if it went into the book like that, people go, "What is wrong with this guy?" <laughs> uh, so One would, giant paragraph. Yeah, and she would type it all up and and make it and still make it sound like me. She didn't yeah. have to change it; she just had to correct everything. So it makes me look like I'm really this great writer. <laughs> See, I wrote my first book when I was nine, staying at my aunt and uncle's farm in southern Illinois. And it was about a mouse that was in their house. And I wrote this story about the mouse. <laughs> my mother had that book. I wrote it on tiny little pieces of paper, little bitty book, because it was about a mouse. You know, I wanted the mouse to be able to read it. And, uh, my mom had that for years. I don't know whatever happened to it, but uh, could have published it. But I always wanted to be a writer. I thought of of taking journalism in college, and then ended up going to a junior college, which is where he went for the first two years in Miami. And uh, I did take a lot of English courses and writing courses and stuff. So he knows. Honey, how do you spell this? <laughs> I did that yesterday. You asked me how to spell somebody's name, wasn't it? Or something. Yeah. Yeah, you write something down. You've written it millions of times, and then all of a sudden you look at it and go, "That doesn't look right." Yeah. <laughs> even though I had it wrong. Yeah, you yeah. had it right. So. You just didn't know you had it wrong. So she makes me look good when I write. I, I I even do that with my name. So really, <laughs> people, I, I write my, I sign my name, and of course, on the paintings, I have a way I sign them. On there, you can read it, and uh, it's kind of fun because I, I go but if by, he signs I go a by check RJ. or something, you can't read. Oh, you can't read my signs. Uh -huh. Like a doctor, uh, <laughs> but uh, when I sign them on on uh, the paintings and stuff, it the top part of the r is actually the disney d oh nice and uh I went, well that's kind of cool <laughs> <laughs> but of course he's been going by rj now since the 1980s when i used to call him that way back then and uh lots of our friends who knew him before that still call him randy yeah. 
We have family members that call you Randy. We went to England for the first time in 85. I won't tell you why, but we she decided to start calling me RJ all the time then instead of Randy. Because so, we we met people that have yeah. since become fast friends of ours over the years. Yeah. We used to stay at their cottage every time we went to England. And uh, he said, it's it's good that your wife calls you RJ. You should just go by that while you're here. Don't go by Randy. And he said, why? And he said, you know how Prince Andrew is called Randy Andy? Arnie. Yeah. You know why he's called Randy Andy? Because Randy means <laughs> Randy what? means horny. Yeah. <laughs> you, can be a, you can so. be a Randolph. Like, like uh, Churchill was Randolph. Well, his kid was. Yeah, yeah right. But, his kid was. But you can be a Randall. You can be anything, but you cannot, cannot be a Randy. Be a Randy. Unfortunately uh-huh. for me, I my name is Randy. It's not. It's not Randolph. A derivative Randall of anything. Or... So my passport had Randy on it, and every time we go through the, we check in in England and go into uh, customs, they look at it and they start to grin. I says, I go by RJ. And they go, oh. And he says, and the last name is pronounced Ogren, not Organ. Yes. So, so yeah. Well, a Randy <laughs> Organ is yes, uh, yes. something whole, very different. <laughs> yeah, I learned the whole Randy thing from Austin Powers. Before that, I didn't oh, know yes. anything about that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, when you worked at Disney, uh, your offices were like uh, uh, RJ. Your offices were right behind uh, Small World, right? Yeah, there was there. Was it was a, a double wide trailer. I had an office. You had a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> we had a double wide trailer, and then a separate building as a, as a huge spray booth, mm-hmm. uh, which was funny because the spray booth was a permanent building. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, yes, there was a right behind Small World, and there's a parking lot back there a small parking lot so we were on the other side away far from end of the it. far end of it and we could look out you know both sides we could look up the hill to 20k 20,000 leagues under or the, the other side where the forest was could, where they fought off. we could see the main entrance to the tunnels if we looked off one and the other side was haunted man where they shot off the fireworks too back yeah. in the woods yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we had to make sure our cars were not back there at night yeah, coming in the morning or be pieces of fireworks everywhere. Yeah, suit and and who knows what else. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And then, uh, Suzanne, were were you in uh, uh, on the second floor on Main Street, or were you in yes. a, in a different? Uh huh. Okay. Um, when I first started working backstage, when I was done with with characters, where I didn't have an office, I had, <laughs> we were in the tunnels. Our our locker rooms were in the tunnels. The break mm-hmm. room was the tunnel. Um, but when I started working in management, um, my first office was up over the ice cream parlor at the end of Main Street. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. It was great because I got to park right behind Main Street every morning. And uh, and then they moved us to the Contemporary Hotel. Well, no, first I was out over near the village in the Sunbank building. Remember, yeah. I had that job when I was in special events. And that didn't last too long. But <laughs> when I went into convention and resort entertainment, I had offices in the Contemporary Hotel in places where nobody would ever think that was an office. It just looked like a door that went to a storage area or something. It was about as big as a storage yeah, it was area, small. wasn't it? Very small office that my boss and I shared. You had carpet out in the hallway. Yeah, you could go outside <laughs> to the nice area, but, you know. And it was, and then I used to say my next office was my car because 
what I did involved my going to all the different hotels where there were like satellite offices where there were technicians and things that all worked on the convention spaces in those hotels. And so I actually had an expense report to drive all over property because of course, Disney is 47 miles of all kinds of stuff. And uh, I wasn't in an office very often. I had one, but I was in my car more than I was in the office. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my last office was 20 minutes from Disney World. It was in a big warehouse where they'd put all the entertainment groups together. Yeah, that was a bad idea. And it was a bad idea, and it, it didn't work. It didn't function because my boss was always on property. I spent half my day driving back and forth. And and I just got to the point where I thought, you know what? I don't even feel like I work for Disney anymore. I started out on Main Street. I didn't mind being in the hotels or even driving all around property, but now I never see the property. You know, I Mm -hmm. go from one office to another office and back to my office. Yeah, that building was about two blocks off of International Drive. Yeah. You can get a little bit away. It was closer to Universal than it was to Disney. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. And I just told him, I I said, this just, it's not working for me anymore. I just, I'm not enjoying it. It's, Mm. the hours were longer because of all the driving back and forth and yeah, it was it was time to go. You know, I didn't want to wait until I was so angry about all of this, you know, that I didn't want to be there at all anymore. And and uh, so I I actually gave up my management job and um, I said, I want to be back on Disney property at the Magic Kingdom where I started. And luckily, I had a friend who was head of personnel for the kingdom and uh she got me a job at the Haunted Mansion as a hostess. And my salary cut in half, but I was having a great time. I loved it until I had an injury and had to quit. So, yeah. So, so let me ask you, before you moved up into management, you mm-hmm. worked uh, as, a, as a character actor, correct? Yes, I did. You I was played- a monorail pilot for a year and a half, and then I became a character. Okay. Um <laughs> Like, was, did you have a favorite character to play? And how was that, like, early oh, yes. in the early days? I'm wearing my favorite character. I don't know if you can see it, but my daughter made me a shirt this year, Christmas. It's got Sleepy on it. Sleepy ah. the Dwarf was the character I did the most. It was my first permanent assignment, too. Yeah. Um, the very first costume I ever wore was in a parade where I was a white rabbit and I said, don't ever put me in this again. It is so hot in here. The only air you had came from the eyeballs of that Ooh. costume. Everything else was fur cloth and heavy and horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, if you were looking through the eyes of a, of a character back then in the mid-70s. Well, not always. No, if you were looking to the, if you were actually looking to the eyes, they were screens. Yeah, now they're solid plastic that you can still see through, but it looks like a real eye. Uh, you were looking actually through the the hat. Oh yeah, and the, sleepy. the design yeah. of Sleepy back then and the dwarfs to make them correct in, in scale. Yeah, making sure that. So she was looking through the hat, and people had no clue that that's where 
Yeah, headlines. they try to talk to us at the mouth, and of course yeah. that was down by our stomachs, you know. Yeah. And also, we didn't have use of our real hands because the arms were extra long, like they are in the movie. And we actually held on to steel T-bars at the elbows of the dwarf costume. So from the elbow down to the hands was just fiberglass covered with a costume. So <laughs> it made it, we couldn't sign autographs and we could never get people to understand that. And I still remember the guy that's a good friend of mine. He lives in Tallahassee now, but he was Doc and he would do the craziest things. He was a gymnast and he would get into things that were unbelievable. And he had this one kid one day that just kept handing him his pen and his autograph book. And he kept handing the autograph book back and trying to hand the pen back. And for the fourth time he did it, he just threw the pen up in the air. <laughs> You don't get he it. Put his he hand was out. trying to pantomime that he could yeah. not hold the pen. You could and mm. put the hand out to palm up so they could lay it into your hands. But, but you couldn't write. You know, mm. It was very funny. But uh, to answer your question, we got off this subject here. I had about, I think, a total of about 12 different costumes yeah. I wore in the time I was there. I did things in the electrical light parade, which were usually either one of the seven dwarfs or one of the Cinderella mice. And then I did Bernard and Bianca, the two mice from the rescuers. I did those quite often. I did Smee. I did Mr. Smee. And I love being Mr. Smee because the guy who played Captain Hook was such a funny guy and he was much taller than me. And we used to have so much fun chasing each other around the area where we performed. And little kids would come up and kick us in the knees, and we'd kick them back. Not hard enough to hurt them, just, you know. <laughs> so it was fun being able to do that because all the other costumes, you know, I had to be sweet and quiet. And So when I was Mr. Smee, I got that. And actually, my parents, who lived in Miami at the time, only got to see me working once. And they came up for the weekend. And I was in Mr. Smee, and they saw me in a parade. And that was the last day I performed in costume. I had already made my decision to leave characters because I'd had several injuries in a short space of time, and it was becoming very difficult for me to work. To her knees. Yeah, yeah, to my knees. I'd had my my nose broken. I'd had my my finger broken. Caused by guests. Yeah. Always, yeah. Yeah, And uh, I had been a dancer, like I said, since the age of eight. I was in a ballet company when I was 11. I knew what stress was and, and hard work and everything else. But I told him, I said, this is harder than any dance job I ever had in my life. And I love it and I don't want to leave it. But I know before I'm crippled permanently, I need to get out of here. So, Yeah. <laughs> But now, I right. love doing it, and we still have reunions every five years. There's a group of wonderfully talented people and bosses that we had, too, that worked in Disney Entertainment at the Magic Kingdom from 71 to 79. And we get together, and it's like we've never been apart. And we've always talked about if you've ever been a Disney character, there is a connection because <laughs> they understand what you did in that yeah. job. Well, it had you know? everybody from the Diamond Horseshoe. It had the, 
the the barbershop quartet who the were kids the great friends with, yeah. uh, uh, especially the originals. Yeah. Um, Bev Bergeron was always there. Um, of course, we the lost bands, Bev this past year. The bands that played yeah. in different places around the park. And, yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of fun. And we were actually supposed to have one this October because it's the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. But they canceled it because of the pandemic, and we weren't sure we were going to be able to do it. And so it's been put yeah. off till next year. We're happy year. to have the, more of the freedom we have now with our shots, but we're not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> we do not want to get on an airplane. I do. Not I will be perfectly <laughs> happy when I go into a place and I know that there's a hundred people and everybody's getting inoculated. Now, now your your kids uh, came to see you when you were uh, characters as well, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you think that kind of shaped them? No, knowing kind of that there was someone underneath the costume. Well, um, our daughter by that time was old enough. She was almost eight. But our son was Sean only knew. four. Yeah, but he knew yeah. it was you. Well, he knew it was me, but he didn't know not to tell anybody, you know. <laughs> and he would see me coming, and of course I would have told RJ which costume I was in that day, so he knew where to meet me and what I looked like. And Sean would come running up to me, Mommy! And we'd go, shh, you're not supposed to let anybody know. <laughs> those, those were the days when you characters, all the characters walked around the park. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. didn't have, we didn't have meet and greets. Well, actually, yeah. we did everything. We did PR things. <laughs> we did yeah. commercials. We did shows in front of the castle. We did the parades. We did meet and yeah. greets. We, it was great to do. I couldn't be a character now because... <laughs> Each character has a specific job. They're either in a parade or they're in a queue where they get their picture taken with everybody, you know. Well, you're um, in the you're in the picture. Disney had a picture they put on calendars, put it on everything for years and years yeah. of the seven dwarfs and Snow White on the uh, by the canal uh around in the, the castles yeah. behind as the backdrop and the ground slopes down is a perfect picture spot. And she's in her sleepy costume, that's Susie. Um, so wow. yeah, I have the calendar. I have I have placemats that yeah. have which our youngest grandson Fletcher, who's now fourteen, when he was little, he always wanted to eat on Nana's placemat. Yeah. So yeah, but, I'm, I'm in the picture of the groundbreaking of Epcot. Oh, I nice! Was there with, I was there with Roy Disney and yeah, and that's in the John Hench. We finally found that Marty Sklar and. Yeah, and we, a bunch two of, governors of the yeah. state, and they took us on a on a. Uh, so actually, it was funny because they put us all on a well, a yellow school bus, and I'm going, "Where did Disney get a yellow school bus?" <laughs> well, it's because we were out in the swamp, and they didn't want to mess up any of the good buses. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so old rickety yellow school bus, and then we got out there, and we were right where Spaceship Earth was going to be built, and they actually had had a big crane holding up a big steel disc. That's the height of, of Spaceship Earth. And uh, then they had a, a a platform that was about, about three feet five, high, I guess. Three yeah. to five feet high. Long platform uh, for With all the dignitaries Roy and it. the others all to stand on. Roy, and the, I mean, he was gone. The, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. We got he was gone then. Roy was not there. <laughs> well, he no. might have been there, but not. <laughs> John Hedge was there. Marty Sklar was there. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, 
Yeah. So I just happened to be in the right spot. And I have to tell you that my favorite thing we did in PR work as a character was when they flew us. It was it was like a competition to find out which of us were going to get picked to do this commercial for Eastern Airlines, which was then the Walt Disney Airline, no longer exists. And we spent three days on the tarmac of the Miami International Airport making this thing. We had a blast because we were in a big hangar. We weren't out in the sun all the time, but it was hot. And when we had our costumes on shooting this thing, we almost died. (laughs) But we had a great time. They put us up. We took us to dinner. We yeah, we had fun. So. Well, that's when they put Jimmy, who who did Doc with her and yeah. characters. He also did Peter Peter Pan, Pan and he was there for the shoot as Peter Pan. And they decided, and he was all for it. They actually took him up on a crane, and he was on top of the of the plane, the big passenger plane. And so when you see the He picture, said, how can I get up there? And I said, well, you have to go in the cockpit. And he goes, okay. And he's gone. Oh, is that how he got up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he got up. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, there was an opening in the oh, cockpit. Is that, the, is that for the pilots to escape through? And think? I guess, yeah. Plane's <laughs> going down. You're all on your own. I'm getting uh, The inje- ejection oh, sheet five. seat just pops right out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no? RJ, but speaking really, of speaking of the legends, you... Work closely with a lot of Imagineers like Mark Davis and, like you said, Marty Sklar. What was it like working with them? Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, Waythel Rogers uh, was one who came out a lot too. And uh, um, it, my favorite story about Mark, because uh, I was with him a number of times, and we'd ride through the rides with him uh, in the uh, early wow. morning, usually before the park opened. And he would point out stuff that we had. We'd bring a pad with us because he'd say, "Well, let's, we're going to put a new character there, and you know, and this is what's happening. Whatever you're going to be involved in that." But then, uh, I had, uh, uh, we had one character in, in well, this is in Small World oh. first. We had one character that uh, always just had one arm. <laughs> See, there is a dog. The arm going up, <laughs> going up and down. This no. one character. I think it was no in the jungle way. scene. And um, he says, where's the other arm? And I said, what, what other arm? He only has one arm. No, there used to be two. So we wrote it down. And, of course, then we went and looked at the back of the figure, and there's the attachment for the other arm. It's because the arm had broken off, and maintenance said, well, just leave it off. Nobody will know. <laughs> Marty knew. And so from that point on, it had two arms again. Can I tell my favorite Mark Davis story? Yes, you can. He was doing a rehab on the Country Bear Jamboree, and one of the maintenance people had damaged the piano where the big bear plays. It's a small piano, but and RJ had had to repair it and repaint it, and he was having great trouble trying to match the green color that was on this piano. And so he finally thought, oh, the heck with it. There's nobody around. I'm just going to paint it the closest color I can do, but I'll paint the whole piano. The other artist went on a break. I very quickly painted the piano. (laughs) And so not long after that, Mark came to walk through and everything and see all the – and he said, oh, who painted the piano? And he very proudly says, I did. He goes, it's the wrong color. (laughs) How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I had to redo it. 
<laughs> you got the right color and, and made we that actually happen. had we actually had books of all the colors of all the characters in Disney World mm-hmm. and all the murals, everything. And it was how you know what what you use to mix together. And we evidently just didn't have one of the base colors was just not quite right or something, but I couldn't get it. It was just off just a little, mm-hmm. but it was enough for Mark to notice. Him. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I love, we love talking with Mark about the attractions. Like when we were taking a break or eating lunch, cause he'd take a napkin and start drawing the figure we're talking about. And one, I remember specifically with the, with the two elephants, one of them that is squirting water toward the boat. And he draws them from the viewpoint we're talking about. I forgot what was what we were discussing, but he draws the elephants from that viewpoint. And in hardline, you know, most of us, I even do it. I sketch first, <laughs> and then I finish it off. Mark just drew it hardline, and it was perfect. Wow! wow. Then he wad the napkin up and throw it away. I went, oh, wait, <laughs> wait, oh, sign that for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and, but he's and, always and, said that Mark was his greatest mentor because he learned so much just just watching him do stuff mm-hmm. like that or yeah. or talk to the other Imagineers. Well, we'd be we'd be uh, working. Uh, uh, one day we were with John Henson the mansion, looking at that stuff there, and uh, just his insight and talking about things. And this is what we're going to do. And well, and they'd all been so close to Walt, and they had been basically taught by Walt, even though they were all artists in their own right. They knew the Disney process and what he would want and everything else. And and I remember him telling a story about Walt because we told him how we had seen Walt that last Christmas at Disneyland. And he said, I saw Walt after he got out of the hospital in December, early December of 66. And he said, he came into the studio and he was going through all the guys' offices, which he always did, talking to us and finding out how things were going. And he said, and he got all done and he walked out and I walked to the door with him and he turned around as he walked down the hall and said, goodbye, Mark. And he said, Walt had never said goodbye to me before. And he said, that was the last time I saw him. Wow. And I'm I'm going to tell you, of course, I got to work with uh, Leota Toombs, who who came up, too. Beautiful woman. But I do have to tell you this one about uh, um, Alice Davis, because we were talking about this a few years ago on the phone. And it was so much fun, because we'd talk about Mark and all the stuff going on and different things we did when he was alive. And uh, But she said that... uh, one of the stories that Mark told her was when Walt was on his deathbed in the hospital and that uh, Roy was, was massaging his feet. He liked to have his feet massaged and he passed away while Roy was doing that. And, and uh, um, I don't remember who it was. It was a family member. He's gone. Dad, he's gone because his feet were turning cold. He was, yeah, but I, Walt would still like this, and he just kept going. I thought, wow, what a what a touching moment. Mm-hmm. So great loss, too yeah. young. Yeah, 
But but the fact that I got to work with all these people that worked with Walt directly and for many years, uh, <clears throat> it was like Walt was there all the time. And uh, Well, there was a very famous thing. Walt would not like it that way or Walt wouldn't have done it that way. Once you yeah. said that, it wasn't going to be done the way you were going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So and it's sad to say those people are not around anymore and things are changing. But then that's true of the whole world. So, yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure. But it's, hopefully, yes, the, the, you know, the more we get those stories out there, uh, uh, you know, and the more that we all talk about how it was, the more people know that in the, in, in hopefully that some of that gets passed on, you know, that. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that Walt said about Walt Disney world was that he would now have enough land that he could build and expand outward. Everything we could now, ever imagine. And I will have to say this, they're not taking it to heart these days because they're doing all these changes and they're doing it within the confines of what's there. Yeah. They instead of down, building out yeah and i'm going like what are you doing you've got all this land and yeah. all you want to do is put hotels on it instead of expanding the parks outward yeah mm -hmm. yeah and that's what he loved about that size of the property I guess. Well, hopefully uh uh you know uh, once the pandemic is over travel gets better uh you know they, they are continuing to buy land out there uh yes. so yes. yeah Hopefully, there's some more plans. Part, yes. Mm -hmm. And yeah. us, mm -hmm. us being the big Anglophiles we are, we love England, and we haven't been there in about 15 years now. But, um, <laughs> oh, well, lots of reasons. Um, but they have just announced that Disney is going to build a park in Kent, England. Oh, wow. And it's going to be a totally different kind. It's not going to be a remake of Disneyland or world or any of these others. It may not even have it's a gonna, castle. It's in gonna, it. it's, well, yeah, it's going to be on myths of England. And, and yeah. All about oh, wow. stuff. And, and I, I said, well, let's just wait and go to that. one." You know, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> we spent our 50th wedding anniversary, which is also, you've read the book. So you've heard this. Um, and it was a dream weekend plus that we spent there celebrating our 50th because we tried to think well we should go to england and then i said wait a minute where did we spend the biggest part of our lives and we're happiest and he said okay let's go to disney so <laughs> we did but it's it was great it, it was, was great. wonderful it was wonderful and there have been so many changes since then which was almost six years ago now and uh i said you know what i really just want to remember that that trip. I don't want to go there and be aggravated because this isn't there or why did they do this or, you know. The one thing I have always had, I had to do, because after I left Disney, I'd be walking through the park with family or friends. And I went, oh, that needs to be fixed. Shut up. <laughs> don't point it out to uh, us. We didn't notice. I'm sorry. He does that to me all the time, not just at Disney, but he's also been a great set designer for theater for many years. Still does it for his son when he directs shows. But uh, he would go to, I mean, we'd be in England, in London, seeing a play, or and he'd be talking about the set. You see that? The sight line. I'm like, can you shut up? I'm trying to watch the play. 
You just can't ever give it up, can you? You did it here in Chicago when we went to see um, uh, John Mahoney in the dresser, oh, yeah. remember? And you didn't like the set. He was wonderful, but she so didn't good. like the set. So you. I didn't obsess about it. I guess. No, you just kept talking about it in my ear. <laughs> from from someone who uh, has done some of that as well, I know exactly why that is. Though I, you know, you mm -hmm. see something, and you know how you would fix it. And yeah, I get distracted by all of the things that are wrong that I know could be fixed. Yeah, and, yes. and it sounds like that's exactly where where yeah. uh, you go to is just kind of like oh. Just well, someone do same. something about that. Yeah. 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 It's the same thing as a writer. You know, I can read something and go, oh, God, I can't finish reading this book. I, this is wrong and that's <laughs> yeah. wrong. And well, they use too many adverbs. And, you know, I mean, having I, taught English as well as writing, yeah. I'm just terrible when it, he'll say to me, oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, well, I, I do all these paintings <laughs> now. Um, that are of the attractions or characters. It's all Disney stuff. And uh, but you remake the whole I, world. Yeah, and <laughs> and and the detail I put into them. Uh, I want it to be right because this is going into somebody's home, and it's one of a kind. I don't do prints and sell them or anything else. It's commissioned paintings. Yep. So I get these very specific requests from people. And sometimes putting them in the painting somewhere, um, and uh, and that's fun too. But I want if I see something in a painting I've, I've just done or something I've been working, I'll come in the next day and go, "Oh, that's not right." Mm -hmm. Way back when I was much younger, though, I've learned real quick: if it's bothering you, fix it. <laughs> because I know if I don't fix that, and I send that painting off and going, "Oh, I can't look at it. I should have fixed that." And I so I take the time, and it it takes a while to to, to do the paintings that I do. Um, and mm -hmm. I've I've got commissions going into July, August now. Uh, uh, three of them for uh, in Hong Kong. Um, another one in France. I've already got one up I did over there. I've got some in England. They're they're all over the world, which is it's, it's such fun. that's so weird that's to fun. us. You know that when we do our Facebook live show, we can have people from. New Zealand and Sweden and all over the place. And it, I can't, it doesn't compare well, to my you know, head. Yeah, you know? at, at our age now, you know, people are always saying, why don't you make prints? And say, I said, I don't want to get into that. I don't have the time. I don't want to be involved with that part it of it. doesn't want a big business. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but what's funny was I was just talking with our, our oldest grandson, Alex, uh, about, him and his brother, they they start talking about you know we could take your podcasts and do more with and them, live our live our live, our live show on Facebook and stuff. And I went, yeah, that would be great. And he says, yeah, you could do it. So you know, bring in more money and stuff. I went, don't look at me because that's just too much technical stuff. Right, right. <laughs> Especially at my age, I know. Okay, fine. But his younger brother is in. He it has a degree a, in computer technology, in so. engineering and stuff. And uh, so they're going to be looking into this whole thing over the next few months. So uh, when there are changes and things happen, I'll let everybody know. But it's it's kind of exciting. 
that I can go to my uh, two oldest grandsons. Let them do it all together. They're in their twenties. Perfect. <laughs> so those, uh, the the, uh, the lives that you do uh, are at three p. Is it three p.m. Eastern time? Three no, p.m. Central. 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 Three p.m. Central. Okay, I'm sorry. On, on most Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only the only time I we don't do a show. So I got is one because what? Okay, yeah. Take this up. Edit this whole thing. I don't know what I'm talking. About. Uh, no, what we what we do now is I will do a, a show where I paint for a, a half an hour to an hour on the current commission painting I'm working on, and then the next week uh, I'll do what I call a fireside chat, and I'll read a chapter from one of our books or part of a chapter. And we'll talk about that that uh, um, that ride, that attraction, uh, in more detail. Well, like some other things that have happened, or a little insight, and people ask questions, and that's turned into being fun. Then the week after, I'll do another painting show, and then the next, the fourth one is Suzanne and I together, and it's it's more around you in that one. You talk about her novel ribbons. Well, and, we talk about my writing and career. talk about writing yeah. and yeah just different things and so yeah that's that's the process we're going through now mm-hmm. so i'm actually going to get a a, a ring light and a microphone <laughs> i'm upscaling <laughs> there you go there you go you're just like you guys yeah. <laughs> i would say i would say don't be afraid to jump into the podcasting because trust me if bill and i can do it Anybody can do uh-huh. it. I'm telling you. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll tell that. I'll tell Alex that. Hey, Alex. Yeah. Guys, I don't know what they're doing, but that's great. So, yeah, be able to do it. Well, speaking now, of our grandson, he's going to have our dinner ready soon. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, real, real quick. Um, when you go to the parks today, do you still see some of the stuff you worked on? And if so. Yes. What are some of those things that we can look for the next time we go down there? Oh, gosh. Oh, um, well, you can take the older attractions, obviously. Uh, there are... A lot of them are gone. <laughs> I worked on almost every single figure in Haunted Mansion and in Small World, Peter Pan. Hall of Presidents. Hall of Presidents. Country Bears. Country Bears. Gosh. Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. It goes on. Yes. Anywhere See, when there was he worked that. there, there was just the Magic Kingdom. There was no Epcot. Yeah. Even the even the ticket taker in the old movie theater used to be on Main Street. Um, and the Indian and, chief that used to be on. Well, he's still on Main Street, isn't he? I don't know if they're going to take it him out or when not. We were there the, five years ago. But, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, everywhere oh, the, yeah. the murals. Um, yep. That you see, we. Did stuff on the mules. He's, he's petting the imaginary dog. Here. So I, <laughs> she, it's almost her dinner time, and she will not let sure. you. Sure, so. sure. So yeah, there's there's quite a few things, and and some figures will go on for years without having to be redone because they're inside, let's say, and they're not where guests can get to them, and they're fine. They just need to dust them off or whatever. But. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the murals in Pinocchio Village. House. Yeah, it was. You know, it was. It was always a trip working because uh, on a figure, especially a human figure, because we did the skins. We put the. We were the only ones allowed to put skins on them. Yeah, we were the. Uh, uh, so we we painted the hands, painted the fingernails. We did all this 
three-dimensional artwork. It was actually painting a portrait because if we put a skin on, and at first it was just all one color and it was sort of a, 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 a pinkish color if it's a, a, a white person and a tan color or whatever for something else. Then we had to actually paint its color. Uh, uh, it was supposed to be, we had to put all the, all the shadows in and all the lines around the eyes because if, and the highlights. And if we didn't do it, it's like doing makeup on a person in mm-hmm. a show except for using this fast drying acetone paint. And if you, don't do that. The figure will just look flat. Yeah, it won't look real. It'll look just weird. So that's why we had to do that. Now, the costumes. If it's a costume character, uh, like in Carousel of Progress, we did all those figures a lot because they were all moving and talking, and it was a lot of stress on the skins. But then the costumes are done by the costume department, and the wigs, the, the hair was all done by the wig department. But if you it used was to a, love it in the carousel a, of progress where they kept yeah, crushing the dogs. Yeah, if it was an animal <laughs> of any sort that had fur, I mean, we did that too. We were very adept at working. We had a we had a a, a, a professional sewing machine, a big heavy duty thing to sew fur cloths for gorillas and bears, and you know, uh, uh, and of course the dogs Cats in the jungle. Too. And um, but. We, we we'd come in in the morning checking out the attractions. We usually would split up in the morning and go to different areas of the park and check three or four attractions and look at all the figures and make sure they're okay and do a, an instant repair if we needed to and whatever or or tell maintenance you need to pull this figure and redo it because it's not working right and then we'll repaint it. But every time we'd walk into Carousel of Progress, as an example, we were like, oh. The wig people have been here. <laughs> the dog. The dog is supposed to look real and a little fluffy, scruffy. It's uh-huh. perfectly smoothed out. <laughs> and they would do that to the dog in the pirates in the Pirates of the Caribbean. There's two dogs in there. Yes. And one with the keys. They, yeah, yeah. And they would brush them out until they looked like they were just perfect. It's very nice brushing, but no. Uh-huh. We'd go over yeah. You know, rub our hands all over it, mess it up. There. Okay, you have to stop so. talking because I have to feed a dog and and out calling us. She's trying to tell us something. Yeah. But, I'm yes, enjoying but, this but thoroughly, our, but it's yeah. I will say we do have a website, uh, rjorgan.com, and uh, we have uh, gosh, I've got three Facebook pages, <laughs> um, and uh, also I'm on. LinkedIn. I don't know why I'm on LinkedIn. I never get anybody <laughs> asking me anything. People just want to be my friend. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> but you are on LinkedIn. If somebody was, wanted to like request a, a painting, uh, where would they go for that? The best way is through Messenger on Facebook. Okay. Uh, because it's a can, private you, conversation. Well, it's not open yeah. to You anybody. can do it by email, but with, with the messenger is perfect because we can have a running conversation without having to stop and do it. And say, it's just better. Right. And yeah. that way I have a log I can keep because I'll mm-hmm. have people come back three, four years later and request another painting. I can go back to that same message and look at it and okay, this is, ah, oh, gotcha. All right. So yeah. Messenger on Facebook. Very good. Perfect. And that's the other and, reason and, where we, we do this together because He's the creative one, and I'm the one that keeps all the books. She does. <laughs> this is this is this is it. this was yours, right, Suzanne? This oh, is it right here. Yeah, that's it. Yes, okay. that is it. Great, Very I'll be ordering it. Book. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you. That's nice. Yeah, let us know. Please review it. And I'm very excited because it's now in several libraries, including in Ohio. Yeah. Um, and in Manchester, England. Oh, wow. We actually had the librarian from Manchester, England read my book. And she contacted you and told you how much she loved it and that she oh. was going to put it in the library. So if you don't so. want to buy the book, go to England, go to Liverpool. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Check it out at the library. He said he's in Cincinnati. This, friend of, ours, this friend of ours lives in Massillon, Ohio, and she got it out of her library. And I went, oh, my God, that's so cool. Yeah, it's just so. kind of fun. Dude. Oh, you know where our books are? They're in the uh, uh, Newman Alumni Center at the University of Miami in the library. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Because he's an alumni. And uh, that's great. So <laughs> I was very, very pleased, very honored. So we will uh, put a link to the books uh, uh, on Thank the uh, on the podcast. So uh, when uh, that goes out, people will be able to order them. Um, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, thank you for doing this. We always yeah. love doing podcasts. And good. You guys are fun and prepared. Yeah. I like you guys. Very you've important done, to us. Yeah, you've done really well. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. This has been very enjoyable. Yes. Good, good. And I'm well, sorry we have to cut it short to go eat dinner. It's okay. <laughs> we, we, we've uh, we've kept you a very long time, and we appreciate you taking the time. Maybe someday oh. we can do this again. Uh, oh, we love it. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, we're just going to go ahead and uh, uh, say thank you to everyone listening and uh, have have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. This is fun. You've been listening to Airbnb Podcast. So that we don't find your lack of support disturbing, make sure you like, share, and subscribe on social media.